Some of you noticed on Facebook that before I preach, I usually put little snippets up there, and I know at least a couple of you did your extra credit. I put the full readings of the Death of Sunday School up there if you want to read them. It's a um, little bit longer article series, but it's got some great stuff. I also put up there a couple weeks ago, the numbers came out that um, Unitarian Universalism more people are joining, but there are far less enrolled in RE than there used to be. It's the first dip we've had. So that's the other reason why we're inspiring this service. Recently, a youth at our new Bradford Youth Group meeting was asked what she thought Unitarian Universalism was and how she finds spirit in her faith. She replied, it is a faith that loves everyone. There is room for everyone in the faith. We don't have to all think alike to love alike. When Reverend Eric asked her where she learned that, she replied, from you. I learned that from you. Where do you think she learned that? Upstairs or downstairs? Upstairs, that's right. She learned that here in the sanctuary during worship. She got that piece of her faith here. Do you know what the original purpose of American Sunday School was? It was to provide literacy training for children that were working in factories, and the only day of the week they had that they weren't working was Sunday. Because Sunday School took place on Sunday, and because it was sponsored by churches, there was usually a good deal of religious instruction included, and the primary purpose of literacy for American Protestants was so that people could read the playing along well. Good. In fact, um, if you look at the curriculum, if you ever go down to Meadville Lombard Theological School, one of our two Unitarian Universalist seminaries that I attend um, down in Chicago, you will find that much of the curriculum for Unitarian Sunday School was academic in nature. There was instruction on geography, history, science, anthropology, and that continued even through the 70s. Sometimes it was religious in nature and sometimes it was not. Our own Bradford past Iowa sisterhood minister, Florence Buck, is quoted in one of the minutes of one congregation she served in California that if they truly wanted to form a church and have it grow, she advised them that we, quote, pay the utmost attention to the work of Sunday school as the safest and surest way to build from the ground up, even if we do without a regular minister, it would be advisable to pay a trained educator of religious education. Now churches that are going to having children in service are still doing religious education. They still have religious education directors. They're having religious education events where maybe we all learn a piece of UU history or we have dinner and then we do some ritual together and we learn about a seasonal part of our faith. So looking at the categories I gave you, you can keep playing along with your worksheet. Faith education comes in many different forms with people participating at different ages. So you can continue to make notes if anything I trigger, uh, you know, if anything I say triggers a memory with you. But think about this too about religious education. When baby boomers were in their prime parenting years, the current structure of age-segregated Sunday school classes began. It was a lot easier then because finding volunteers wasn't a big challenge. Now, even just today, Crystal was asking for more volunteers, right? It wasn't a big deal when many of the households had two 
parent households and only one parent working outside the home, there were 80 million baby boomers. But today's generations of parents are different. Generation X, my generation, is half the size of the baby boomer generation with intense expectations of us required for volunteering. The number of volunteers available has gone down 50%. Millennial parents are totally different. They recognize that there's no one right way to raise their children. In fact, they have tons of books and online resources and internet groups that provide tons of parenting ideas that let them know that there is no one right way. There's all different ways to be a parent. And while many millennials seek authentic spirituality and care a great deal about their spiritual experience, they're less likely to seek a religious affiliation. Now, these are great things. How can we all learn from one another about this, right? If you look at that insert in your order of service, you might see that all of your activities might fill one section, like I mentioned before. And I want you to know that this has been my problem, too. I used to have to really work to expand into other areas of my heart. And the thing is, we're all on this faith journey together. And these categories kind of come from different sections of the heart, just like those lists. One is around belonging. What gives you a deeper connection to your faith? Now, I interviewed some of you about how you act out your faith, and some people told me your entire focus is on activities, committees, you know, different boards and different groups that meet here. Some of you focus all on Sunday, and some come other points of the week, but you're all around committees. It's great. It's wonderful you feel that faith connection. And I'm going to dare you to venture into some of the other ways of acting out your faith, away from the Sunday worship table. When we hear there are specials offered on other days, sometimes we shy away, sometimes we wonder if we'll belong. And years ago, I only went to church on Sundays. I've been a Unitarian for about 20 years. I met people during coffee. I didn't stray too far. I got what I thought I needed during services, and I left. I didn't see myself as a piece of the puzzle. My family loves puzzles, okay, so... I didn't see myself as a piece of the puzzle, but instead I saw church as something to kind of get to, like going to the movies or going to a play. I needed to check off that I kind of did that so every so often. Maybe it was more like a vitamin supplement. It wasn't like a real meal, you know? I was just kind of taking a little bit, kind of get that in. Not only did I not think I fit in the puzzle, but I had a casual relationship with filling my heart. I didn't want to give too much because if I did, I would have to open my heart and be honest about who I was. I was a nibbler. I took a little bite one or two Sundays a month. I made sure I got a piece of church on Christmas. I certainly went to see if there was something being preached about that was in my interest zone. I was grazing on Unitarian Universalism. Now the next section of your heart I want you to think about is believing. What beliefs guide your commitment to your faith? Now some of you here are on my internship committee as part of this church, and my internship committee has taken to asking me their burning questions about beliefs and our faith. They are hungry for learning more. At our last meeting, we discussed the meaning of ministry. What does that mean? They interview me on all these things. Church boards and committees are a great way to cultivate our hearts, even if we have to attend on a Thursday, perhaps, to get some nourishment. 
Now the next section, I want you to think about that ritual and how ritual cultivates our heart. I interviewed some of you about how you came to this faith, and so many of you talked about women's spirituality, earth-based, pagan, etc. kinds of groups that brought you here. Some of you had attended different women's festivals or music festivals, and that's what brought you here. Seasonal rituals, as well as traditional rituals like funerals and weddings and things like that, can be a part of filling your heart. I love honoring how our year spins and embracing each season with my son and my family. Rituals are a great way to create our faith with our loved ones. You don't have to wait for us to perform it. You can make your own rituals. You can use festivals throughout the year to balance your heart. That can be a part of your faith formation plan. Maybe you've always wanted to have a spring ritual, or maybe you've always wanted to celebrate Mabin or another, another pagan holiday perhaps from another tradition. We've done some here. The other thing a lot of you talked about was bonding, activities that helped you bond to one another here. I can't tell you how many people in the anniversary um, little pieces we handed out about your favorite memories talked about bonding through work. You know, today we were invited to do some work together. A lot of times scraping and painting or I once heard about, you know, chipping away the floor in the old minister's office when we were converting this back from a restaurant. That was a lot of great ways we bonded through work. And dozens of you talked about your feeling of your faith that you have from chalice circles. And we'll continue to practice one here every so often. And we have other chalice circles that meet, you can inquire. And those are great places for you to share your joys and concerns. There's usually a question or a theme that people talk about. So it doesn't have to be that you're coming up with it all on your own. But a lot of chalice circles meet for years and years. People really like them as a small group ministry kind of way. Maybe that's a goal of yours to put up on your heart that you're going to paste in your medicine cabinet or on your fridge. Behaving. What behaviors or actions or practices help facilitate connection and meaning making that help you act your faith? Ministers love talking about meaning-making. When you talk to seminarians, we love talking about how we made meaning out of things that happen. I asked one of you about your faith formation, and immediately you started telling me how reticent you were to protest, unless it's really, 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 really important, you said to me. I get it. I really do. This might surprise you, but I hate going to protests and doing public witness. And nowadays, now that I'm in seminary and on my way to be a minister, people expect me to show up in a clergy collar. So much pressure. I do it. I do it anyway. The collar protects people in the crowds. Showing up is the way I show up for my faith. But inside, I hate being at the mercy of the weather. I hate knowing that I don't know the right protest songs. I hate wondering who will show up and will I be alone and will I know anyone. But I do it anyway. Because sometimes our faith is like that. Sometimes we have to do things we don't like. It's a piece of ministry that's needed and every time I go, I'm grateful. I just hate getting there. I'm glad to say I showed up. I feel better. And let me give you another tip if protest or public witness is on your goal sheet. Get a protest mentor. You can do this. At the first Women's March, I volunteered to drive a UU elder 
from my home church who had been to dozens of major marches and traveled all over the globe to go show up. She taught me how to do it. She packed snacks, she had banners, she had hats. She showed me the way. And you know what? I felt like I had a role that took some pressure off of me. I'm here to drive her. I have to go. She showed me that when I carry a side of love banner, other Unitarian Universalists gather. People I never met before show up and say, hey, I go to the Unitarian Church in La Crosse, or I'm from Door County, or I'm the minister over in Brookfield. You'll meet people. Make a great sign. Try it. Because you, too, can be an integral piece of this faith. Now, last year, another public witness kind of thing I did is I blessed people at Pride Fest. And you know what? Crystal, our Bradford RE director, showed up, and she helped pull people into the tent to receive blessings. Now, she's one of the people that told me she doesn't like to do public witness. She's brilliant at dragging them into the tent, right? And it was so much fun to show up together in order to truly be acting our faith. Together, we can learn from our history and form our theology and build activism. The more we try, the more our heart grows. Faith formation calls us to develop our religious knowledge in numerous buckets or numerous sections of our heart. And given the cultural and political context we are finding ourselves in, this, this is where Unitarian Universalism's deepest theological principles and religious values can help us. Whether we are lovers of Crayolas, which we have down on the stairs now, cooking or puzzles, we can all feel the power of this movement. Now, you might be new here, searching for the right place to fit in, and I urge you to bust open the box and dump out the pieces when you need this puzzle. If we don't develop our puzzle pieces, we will not only fail to honor this core principle of our liberal theology, we will also simply become irrelevant as a faith. I don't think universe, Unitarian Universalism is irrelevant. I think it's a buffet to nourish all of us. Now, we Unitarian Universalists have done this work before. Think of Florence Buck and those who came before us, our Unitarian Universalist ancestors, who even back hundreds of years were showing up for abolition. They were showing up for the right to vote. We have so many people in the history books who saw the need to attend to religious education and faith formation in ways they had never seen before. We are Unitarian Universalists, and we can do this work again. Now, you need a spark. What's in your flame? What can the spark be for you? Is it a person? You need a faith formation partner who can help you check in. Is there someone sitting near you in the church today that could be your accountability buddy for developing your other faith plan pieces? I'm going to give you a minute to find them, and they can check in with you and say, hey, how are you doing on your goals for 2019? Talk amongst yourselves.
You have your faith formation plan now. You can keep working on it, but this is a culture shift. We're embracing new norms. We're experimenting because this is too much for a single person to piece together on their own. So use your accountability partners. Maybe that's going to be your protest buddy. Maybe that's the person who's going to show up to the school board with you. Maybe they're going to just call and encourage you to do your spiritual practice for your spark. You know, think about what that is. This is a good topic for coffee. Over the years, I've developed my spiritual practices, and I've made them ingredients that I eat daily, or I am spiritually deficient. I'm hungry without them. Years ago, my heart came to church for sparks, but I didn't allow my heart to be filled here at church. I was afraid to be vulnerable. And now my heart is satiated. What will be the thing that ignites your faith? Are you hungry? Our children want more than an RE snack. They want to be nurtured all week long by their mentors. They want to learn and grow right along with us, and I encourage you to feed them. Recently, my son was in the back seat with a friend discussing a Saturday night sleepover and whether the friend would need to go home before Sunday church or after. Now, my family goes to First Unitarian in Milwaukee, where we've been members for a couple decades. The friend, his name is Cam, said their family was looking for a church, and my son Aiden promptly invited his friend to go to our home church, First Unitarian Society of Milwaukee. And Aiden pipes in, you can totally come to our church. You would like it. They welcome people of all genders, sexualities, ages, races, ethnicities, histories, and bodies there. They would totally welcome you. I know they do because they say it every week. Bring your family and your heart will be welcome. It's totally cool. He really did that. Someone asked me if I embellished that story. I'm like, no. Where do you think my son got that idea? At RE, upstairs, or downstairs? Upstairs. Aiden already knew his piece of the puzzle. He was ready to evangelize our faith. The words he shared are indeed right out of the welcome script at the beginning of every service at First Unitarian of Milwaukee. That's why he used those words. And I came to realize that was how he saw our faith. Now, I said evangelize, and some of you get scared of any word that has any Christian connotation, and we need to own that word. Evangelize doesn't have to mean that. It means that we want to share what we have here and take it with us. We need it. We need evangelical Unitarian Universalists who want to talk on and on about how great their faith is. Because spreading the good news is that this faith is ready to accept all bodies, all sexual orientations, all gender identities, all cultures, all races, all histories, and all theological expressions is a message we need today in this world more than ever. My son was evangelizing his faith, and you might want to make that a piece of the work you do this year in your puzzle. Looking back when I was only nibbling at Unitarian Universalism, I'm not even sure I knew my heart could grow and expand, let alone be quenched by this faith. But I do know I was hungry. Heck, I was starving and I didn't even know it. 
That was once maybe a four-piece puzzle, a quick snack I had, and now it's at least 5,000 pieces and feeds me like protein I cannot live without. I'm feasting on Unitarian Universalism, and you can too. <laughs>